That music means your next hour is going to be about connection. Welcome to This Show Is All About You, a show dedicated to discussing and experiencing the things we all have in common. When you and me become we and explore what it means for all of us. Here's your host, historian, writer, social commentator, and a whole lot of other things, J.D.K. Winnikin. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of This Show is All About You. Thanks for taking the time to spend the next hour with me, where we'll have a conversation that hopefully will take us uh, deeper than a lot of conversations go in, in this media about things that matter and things that we all have in common, even if at first blush it, you may be wondering, hmm, how can I connect with this? Hopefully by the end, you will know how. Uh, happy to have you. If you're listening live, uh, welcome. If you're listening as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for doing so. And thanks for subscribing and for leaving me a review. I really appreciate it. You can also track me down on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, just look up my last name, W-Y-N-E-K-E-N. Be Find me rather easily and love to chat with you. You can also take a look at my website, wordsbyjdk.com, that has uh, episodes of this show uh, on it, as well as uh, follow-up posts, some original writing, uh, news, and Updates about my novel that I'm pitching to be published, that type of thing. So you can check that out again at wordsbyjdk.com. I'd like to thank at the outset here uh, the generous sponsor uh, who makes this show possible, Airway Science for Kids. Uh, you can learn more about them at airsci.org, uh, and you'll hear more about them during the commercial breaks today. Uh, but this show just would not happen without them, and uh, very, uh, very appreciative of their support. So welcome, everyone, and uh, I have a guest uh, in studio today who I'm really excited to talk to, uh, a good friend of mine as well as uh, a wise soul, in my opinion. I'll introduce him here in just a minute. Uh, but let's kick off this episode as we do every week with a look at the week's news in the segment I call What in the World is Going On? Once again, let's start with the January 6th hearings. And critically, no vice president in 230 years of history had ever claimed to have that kind of authority, hadn't claimed authority to reject electoral votes, had not claimed authority to return electoral votes back to the states. In the entire history of the United States, not once had a joint session ever returned electoral votes back to the states to be counted. That was Greg Jacob, who was the chief counsel to then-Vice President Mike Pence, testifying at the congressional hearings last week, the third of the televised hearings uh, going on by the House Committee to investigate the January 6th insurrection, talking about the unprecedented attempt uh, from his vantage point by then-President Trump and small clique of teams around him uh, to pressure Mike Pence to overturn to, uh, the rightful election results that had elected Joe Biden president. And I played that clip mainly because if you're paying any attention to the hearings, uh, the new information is rapidly becoming an avalanche of new information. And that is certainly the intent of this. What I have found most remarkable thus far is that all, nearly all the testimony is being put forward by Republican witnesses, by those working on behalf of elements of the previous administration who were telling then-President Trump and his allies that the election had not been uh, 
had not been subverted, that it actually was a legitimate result. And nevertheless, then President Trump continued to push forward with the big lie that the election had been stolen. And if you're listening, the audience is certainly you, but there's people keep asking the question. So I'll just chime in. Who is this for? Well, it is certainly for sensible non-Trumpian Republicans, hopefully to convince them that there's you know something bigger here, that a line has been crossed that they shouldn't necessarily continue to support. The GOP itself, an opportunity to give the Republican Party an opportunity to push away from the continued influence of Donald Trump uh, prior to the 2022 and 2024 elections. Certainly those all important independent swing voters. And of course, and this is worth noting, the Department of Justice, <laughs> who will ultimately make a decision on the basis of not just what Congress has collected, but also the evidence that they're collecting, whether or not to indict then-President Trump, current civilian Donald Trump, uh, and others around him, or not. And it's gut-check time, again, for us as a people. Uh, And for people who are worried about admitting that they've been fooled or admitting that they were wrong, I'd just like to encourage you, there's nothing wrong with that. Being told you're stupid for believing that is one thing. And I can understand why people react poorly to that when, uh, if they may support the former president, they're told they're stupid. But to know you've been lied to is something that has happened to all of us. And there is no shame in taking a look and saying, you know what? I was misled. In fact, that can actually be the doorway uh, to renewed understanding, renewed connection with others, and actually more healing for individuals and for this country. So I'm going to suggest that maybe that's the uh, angle we need to take. All right, second clip for today. We're actually not going to talk about Russia today, even though that's still important. Let's take a look at what's happening with the global heat wave that's going on. A year ago, we were on fire. We had, you could have walked across this creek and not gotten your feet wet. Yellowstone's northern entrance is now closed through October. Flooding is just not something that usually happens there, so most don't have flood insurance. Scientists say climate change is fueling weather conditions like this, as well as early heat waves. The deadliest weather season of any time of year is upon us, and that usually surprises people, more so than hurricanes, tornadoes, blizzards. Every year, not just in this country, but around the world, more people die from excessive heat every year than from any other weather phenomenon. And the clip you heard there was about the unprecedented thousand-year event, as they're calling it, flooding in Yellowstone that might keep that national park closed for up, upwards of a year. Uh, heat in the, in the southwest of this country of also is killing hundreds, especially the homeless. About 5,000 people die in the United States every year from heat. About half of them are from the homeless populations in various cities, and every year that number is going up. The current heat wave that's going on, two-thirds of the U.S. will be under heat warnings this week at some point. It's getting so bad that in places like southwest Kansas, cattle are dying of heat exhaustion. And cattle are about the hardiest animals out there when it comes to uh, surviving the elements. And so there's a problem with cattle dying in southwest Texas. In Europe right now, there's a blast from North Africa that's fueling terrible fires in Spain, a number of heat deaths in Italy and in France. And it's arriving so early this year that it's killing baby birds by the thousands. And that has a net cascading effect on the environment itself because fewer birds means more insects, which can mean more problems. Uh, It is destabilizing for the environment. In Chile and the Middle East and the United States, huge reservoirs counted on for water supplies are literally drying up. And while there are discoveries of missing persons in Lake Mead, for example, or ancient cities appearing that are 3,400 years old in Iraq, those prices I don't think are worth paying for it. 
Now, climate change is certainly fueling a lot of that. And as I mentioned earlier with the January 6th things, uh, denying the evidence that this is a thing is no longer really viable. And so, again, asking the questions, if you do not believe climate change is a thing or that there aren't environmental steps we can take, if you don't believe that based on information that you have received, that you have found to be credible, this might be time to ask yourself yet again, have I been lied to? Because there's a lot going on and certainly very practical steps that can be taken. Uh, Otherwise, we're going to be, all of us, be the equivalent of the Emperor Nero and watch all of Rome, meaning our world, burn while we sit and do nothing. Okay, finally, the last clip. We are celebrating a national holiday today. Juneteenth is definitely one of the reasons why I'm here today. Um, You know, so much of the holiday is rooted in food. um, So it's really great to be here to learn more about the history. Today, we are celebrating Juneteenth. Actually, the actual holiday was yesterday, June 19th. Uh, but we're celebrating it today. The first year is it, it, as it being celebrated as a full national holiday that includes it being a banking holiday and a, a, a Wall Street holiday. June 19th, 1865 in Galveston, Texas, uh, Union Army soldiers arrived two months after the end of the Civil War and announced to all the slaves in Texas that they had now been freed under the 1863 Emancipation Proclamation and slavery was over. So it became very quickly. The next year, in 1866, freed slaves began to celebrate June 19th as a holiday, calling it Juneteenth. And that has sort of continued on for a long time. It was made an official federal holiday last year. It was first made a state holiday in the state of Texas in 1980. But as I mentioned, it's been celebrated by black communities since the end of slavery. Over time, the holiday became more associated with the civil rights movement, especially the Juneteenth after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. in 1968. But even with that, it was still relatively unknown by many people, even into 2020, when the TV show Blackish was able to dedicate an entire episode to how few of the white characters in the show had ever heard of it. Even now, 60% of whites and non-black people of color only know, quote, a little or nothing, end quote, about the holiday, according to polls. But it was after George Floyd's murder and the emergence of the Black Lives Matter movement a couple years ago that the holiday began being celebrated with more notoriety. And interestingly enough, it is one of the few bipartisan decisions in recent U.S. history uh, that's worth it's notable. In 2021, the Senate passed the resolution unanimously to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. And only 14 people out of almost 500 in the House, all of them far right Republicans, dissented. So it's actually one of the most one of those bipartisan uh, decisions made by Congress in quite some time. And all I have to say about it is the end of slavery. People, if we can't get excited about commemorating the end of slavery, I wonder what, what can we uh, commemorate? What can we, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong at all with recognizing the ugly parts of our history. And doing so says a lot more good about us than it does bad, in my opinion. And it's because it shows a, a willingness to reflect, listen, and learn more than we might otherwise. And we sorely need a lot more of that, as every clip I think I've played today (laughs) seems to indicate. Uh, But certainly it raises the question, and I'm going to talk about this with my guest here as part of our conversation, of deciding to make holidays a bit more than what we tend to make them, rather than just a day off of work and an opportunity maybe to uh, eat a lot of good food and sit around, hang out with your friends. 
what can we do with a new holiday like this? This is a new, quote unquote, as a as an official federal holiday. There's an opportunity to really shape what this holiday means, looks like, how it's practiced going forward. And so I want to start right there and introduce uh, <laughs> my friend, Bruce Flommer, the, the legendary Bruce Flommer. In his, his career, he is the founder and do you call yourself the CEO? I, yes, I do. Founder and CEO <laughs> of Michael Bruce Image Consulting. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, and not only is he a friend of mine, I'm also a client of his. Um, and you look great today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I look great for radio. You look great for radio. <laughs> for radio okay. You look great any day. Well, yeah. Well, that's all thanks to you. Every single thing I think I'm wearing, other than my underwear and my socks, I think you picked out. Yes. So it works. The team did a good job. Well, they, they did. And every, and every time I'm going to see you, and I see you pretty much every Monday because every Monday. We, cross, we cross in the halls for recording. Absolutely. Paul's very aware that i got to put myself together. <laughs> I can't show up in a t-shirt and shorts. No, you can't. <laughs> no. Well, you can if it's purposeful. Right. Right. We'll okay. talk about that. We'll talk about that. Right. All right. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, about Juneteenth. Okay. And because and, we've talked a little bit about it before. Yeah. And, and as a black man, uh, very aware and very proud of your background, mm-hmm. wanted to talk with you a little bit about what, is that, what does this holiday mean to you? What comes up for you with that? And of course, not putting you on the spot to feel like you have to speak for all black people because you can't do that. I can't. No. Right. <laughs> Absolutely not. Right. But what, what comes up for you with Juneteenth? You know, it's interesting that you, when you asked me that question, is like a lot of people, I mean, Juneteenth was new for me. And mm-hmm. I actually learned about it on the Blackish show. And then, you know, which is a little bit of an interesting thing because then I watched another show that was uh, Kenyon Barris and it was called Black AF, which is a little bit of a guilty pleasure mm-hmm. on Netflix. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but I did connect Stacy with it. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so she watched it together and we mm-hmm. laughed and laughed because it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. They talked about Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <clears throat> it's something that just wasn't talked about in history class in schools. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, you're a historian, so I'm yeah. sure that um, you know a lot, lot about that, a lot more than most. Well, I, I didn't learn anything about it in school either. I didn't learn about it until I was in graduate school as an adult. It's goofy. That we didn't know. Yeah, it's just goofy. Right. Um, you know, I think what's even goofier is I was just doing a quick little math. I mean, what, 150 years for us to actually recognize it as a, a nation? Just about. Um, that's that's kind of tough. Mm-hmm. Um, that in fact there was fourteen pe- men, people, men, women, whoever in the Senate that didn't in vote. the House in the House. Yeah, that didn't. That's a bummer. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't it be completely unanimous? Right. You know, one hundred percent. That's something to celebrate. One hundred percent of the House <laughs> said this is a great idea. <laughs> like, how is it possible that fourteen said? Eh, I don't really think so. Right. It's that conversation you and I had. This voice of this communication of inclusivity. Yeah. You know, what does it mean to be inclusive? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yes, you're free. So when they got freed, slaves were freed. Yeah, we're free. How come everyone didn't celebrate mm-hmm. that? You know, right. did some people think that slavery was still okay? Yes. Certainly at the time, a number of did. And, and clearly it raises the question, to what degree has that really been let go of in, among some populations in the country? It hasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been to places that, you know, it's like, mm, be careful. Yeah. You know, watch out. I mean, there's places that I've been to. I've been all over the world. Um, and there's been places I've been to. I mean, most of those places have actually been in the South mm-hmm. um, where people have said things to me. And I'm like, I can't believe they just said that. And in my neighborhood, you get cut for that. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But I'm in a place I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had to learn to mature through it. 
Um, and it's, it's still, as, especially as I get older, it bums me out that mm -hmm. we still are dealing with this stuff. But at the same token, it's good that it's out in the open mm -hmm. and that people can address their biases mm -hmm. um, and their prejudices. Right, or they have to decide not to. And then, decide not to. and then at least it becomes clear that they're not going to. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it's, it's a, it's a complicated mix for you. It is a complicated mix. Yeah. Really complicated. My, um, I'm actually, my wife is Caucasian. Mm -hmm. My kids are mixed. Mm -hmm. Um, and growing up, they have gone back and forth with not feeling black enough. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, well then you have white friends, but then you're definitely not white enough. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's more, it was more challenging than I thought it would be mm. um, for them, especially as the girls have gotten older. Right. Um, at one time, my one daughter identified with being African-American. My other daughter completely identified with being Caucasian. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, well, that must have been quite a challenge for it, you and your wife to really address with them consistently. You know, we just let them kind of work through it. Mm -hmm. And um, what actually really changed uh, my one daughter from thinking that way, and just because all of her friends were straightening their hair, so she was, and she had curly hair, so she was just going straighter, mm -hmm. um, is it was becoming more and more a challenge. But actually, when she uh, met her now husband, um, he looked at her, and uh, they, she, he saw her one time, and her hair was straight. Then he saw her like on a weekend or something, and her hair was really curly, and he's like, I like your curly hair. Mm. Like, like, why do you keep straightening it? I mean, he kind of challenged her. Mm. And he, she was like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even know you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I think your curly hair is pretty. Mm. And she's worn it curly ever since. Wow. So, but she finally embraced just, you know, she's a mix. And mm -hmm. she calls herself a mixed chick. <laughs> a mixed chick. <laughs> hey, and if that works, it's a Absolutely. good place to settle. It's a good place to settle. Great. All right. Well, this is great. Like, we've kicked off the conversation exactly the way I hoped we would. So go. let's uh, let's go and take our first break, and then we'll come back, and we'll dig in a little deeper into that and other subjects, Bruce. So stick around on This Show is All About You. We'll be right back. I'm Julia Cannell, Executive Director of Airway Science for Kids. We sponsor this show is all about you because it exemplifies our core values, connectivity, communication, emotional intelligence, positivity, respect, and the power of possibility. Help us introduce historically excluded youth to all of these through the wonder and promise of aviation and aerospace careers. Airway Science for Kids, providing aerospace to all. Visit airsci.org to learn more and to contribute your talents. Don't ask me to talk. Don't Ask Me to Talk is a program about sharing something good. Hosted by me, Stacey Heller, with my co-host and my mom's favorite, Eric Ryder, Don't Ask Me to Talk echoes what we're talking about when we aren't being so serious. We'll highlight what's good to watch, read, see, listen to, and more with a reoccurring spot with Vance Dingfelder of Dingfelder's Delicatessen called What Are We Eating? Tune in Thursdays from 3 to 4 on AM 880 KIXI. Welcome back, everyone, to This Show is All About You. I am J.D.K. Winnikin here with uh, my friend Bruce Flommer of Michael Bruce Image Consulting. We're talking about Juneteenth, uh, his experience uh, growing up not knowing about that holiday, despite uh, being a black man, uh, black family, and uh, then pretty much wherever else we want to go. So so tell me a little bit, Bruce, and tell the listeners, uh, where, what is your background? You didn't learn about Juneteenth in school. 
Where were you going to school growing up? Um, I'm an East Coast guy. So I was born in Philly. Philly. Raised in South Jersey. <laughs> Joyzy. <laughs> They're all yelling back, by the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Philly's in the house. So, and, you know, my family was, you know, we lived in a middle class neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And um, it was mixed as far as, you know, with a bunch of different um, backgrounds, mm-hmm. racially. Uh, very, very diverse. Um, um, the high school I went to, however, because I was not, um, I think I had ADHD before it was even, you know, diagnosed with ADHD. Before it was a thing. In fact, in fact, I was thinking about this. My mom would get notes from the teacher. So I was like, Bruce is really great. He's sweet. He goes, he has a hard time focusing. He has a hard time focusing. He's kind of not the class clown, but he has a hard time focusing. And, mm-hmm. and that's probably what ADHD is. But mm-hmm. So it didn't make me like the best student mm-hmm. just because I was like, always like squirrel. Like what's next? Well, what's outside? You know, what's going on? Um, I don't need to learn this. I can kind of, I need to do practicals. I need to have hands on stuff. So actually I became, um, I went to a trade school Okay. and I'm um, grown up. So my mom and dad were like, well, if you're not going to go to college, you got to learn a trade. So believe it or not, the trade that I learned is I'm an electrician by trade. I did not know that. <laughs> I've known you for five plus years. Yes. And I never knew that. You're an electrician by I'm trade. I'm an electrician by trade. So do you just still just walk around and fix electrical stuff no. just for the hell of it? Or, no, <laughs> I don't. You don't do that. I don't even touch it. You don't. <laughs> so I don't even touch it. In but fact, you could. When I need some electrical stuff done, I call people. But you could. But I could. You could. But I don't. Okay. So you became an electrician. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's let's freeze right there. So you were you went to trade school after after high school. No. It's a high school trade school. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So I did During both. high school. So I started in my freshman year and then went all the way through high school. So you went to school in the morning mm-hmm. and then you went to your trade for three and a half hours in the afternoon gotcha so it was called burlington county vocational technical high school okay Botech. and then did you do like apprenticeships with local electricians is that how they did that that's or? exactly how you do it so you basically um in your junior senior year you just go out and start basically your work for free <laughs> okay if you will right so as a school and you go and learn a whole bunch of stuff in fact one of the coolest things we did was we built a fire school a fire training facility okay, um, and wired the whole thing. But I'll tell you a funny story about that. We were all given a different room. So now remember, I'm, you know, this is a new thing. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not used to being like on a job. Mm-hmm. So you're running all the conduit and stuff. And next thing you know, you're all excited. It's like, okay, time to pull the wire. So we're running all the wire and we're pulling it through. And the guy's like, I don't see it yet. I'm like, well, keep pulling. Like I'm pushing it all through. He's like, I don't see it yet. I'm like, he goes, I should see it. And I'm like, I know, but I like pulled it all the way through. And he's like, he, I push all the things. He's like, I, I don't see it yet. He goes, I'm pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. <laughs> Next thing you know, we go one of the rooms and uh, all the wires in the room, the conduit, I had forgot to fasten the conduit oh, piece. <laughs> so it all piled up. So it all piled up in one room. I was like, whoopsie daisy <laughs> tighten the cup leak a little bit better they're so. all shaking their head they're all shaking i was like rookie i'm right. like hey we're all with the fng <laughs> at one time right <laughs> that's right that's right that's right okay so, so you were so you were just a teenager doing this i was just a teenager okay so yeah. what kind of teenager were you bruce like what were you what were you about what were you you're talking about schooling this is where you were ended up mm-hmm. what was what was life like for you like going back what was it what were your friendships like what was so it's interesting i was an electrician because uh, that, that was the trade. But actually what I really wanted to do is I really wanted to do fashion. Okay, from but, a young age. From a young age. But the reason why I didn't is because everyone that was in the 
fashion, you know, group mm-hmm. was a little different. Ah. And I peer pressure was just too much for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm not going to let anyone know about that I like fashion, wow. even though I dressed very fashionable for okay. school. So you were hiding that interest because it it was associated as the gay kids did that. Right, right, right. And I still have a bone to pick with my school because I did not get best dressed at senior year. I did not get best dressed and I was the best dressed there. Why do you think that happened? It was an all white school. Ah. And I'm like, they just like, they would not. I did. I'm like, dude, I dress way better than that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I've known you a while and I'm going to go ahead and back you on that. I'm sure you were the best dressed. So I'm going to go back to one of my class reunions. I'm going to be like, uh-huh, look at me now. Got right. my own company. <laughs> I am best dressed. Get them to correct the record. <laughs> Absolutely. Get them to correct Okay, correct so from a record. young age, that was the case, and you are going to an all-white school. So you must have been very – so you're having to be aware of, first of all, the difference in your skin color around, yeah. around your peers. Yeah, and they and let also, you know there. Right, and they let you know. Okay, yeah. so you experienced that. Yeah. And, and then also a stigma that you wanted to avoid – Yes. On the basis of your interests. Yeah. For a lot of kids, that's a recipe for difficulty at best, loneliness at worst. What was that like for you? It made me really tough. Made it really tough. It made me really tough. Made you really tough. Yeah, it made me really tough. How so? Because I always wanted to just prove, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm tough. You oh, know? okay. I'm tough. So don't mess with me. I'll, I'll kick your butt. Okay. I mean, you know, I was at a young age. I don't know if I had a chip on my shoulder but I was like, definitely not going to be messed with. Okay. And I um, remember one time this kid messed with me and, you know, I was pretty quiet, if mm-hmm. you will. And, um, but when I was younger, my dad taught me martial arts and things like that. And he always says, never use it. And I'm like, he goes, but I'm only teaching you this because when I was in fourth grade, I got beat up really bad. Mm-hmm. He goes, I'm teaching you, you need to learn how to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I can count on one hand how many times I used. Okay. Um, to protect myself, but um, I kicked this kid over three desks and got suspended for eight days. Okay, because he was messing with you about something in particular. Actually, what he did—he cheated on. He grabbed my paper and oh. was cheating on me. And I told him, I said, I grabbed his paper back and ripped it up. And I said, "Don't be taking my notes. Do your mm-hmm. own work." And I tore his paper up. As I turned around, he grabbed his pencil and punched me in my back. Well, when he punched me in my back, the pencil went right into my lower back. Ouch! And I think it was just reflex. I just turned around and gave him a roundhouse and next thing you know he went over three deaths so um it was crazy <laughs> i was like i don't even remember it well your dad taught you well my dad taught me well so <laughs> in fact i'll tell you a funny story <laughs> they i i'm in the principal's office my dad shows up and uh my parent both my parents show up because they're like we need to see you and uh my dad looks at me and he was like what happened i was like uh, i told him the story and he was like that kid and i'm like yeah he's like thumbs up (laughs) (laughs) and i said so i'm not gonna really get in trouble he goes no you'll be fine yeah so yeah wow yeah well i I can relate to that you know bullies bullies were a real thing for me too i was living in hawaii at the time and Mm -hmm. i was and i was going to a decidedly non-white school oh yeah and uh you know and i I hesitate sometimes to make those yeah howie i hesitate sometimes to make those comparisons Mm -hmm. because it's not a systemic difference no you know it just happened to be my geographical difference where i was but it was still for a kid who was in kindergarten first Mm -hmm. grade second grade it was still really real to be aware that I was being singled out because I looked different. Yeah, it's traumatizing. Else. Yeah, it yeah. is. And, you know, I ended up going the, a different route. I didn't, I didn't go the tougher route. I didn't mm-hmm. feel that tough. I mm-hmm. went, let me just either shrink away so no one can see me, right. or let me just blend in however I need to. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll act, say, do whatever I need to do to stay safe. So instead of 
going head to head with bullies, right, right. I'd sometimes line up behind them. Interesting. Yeah, and so, but it, but what it did do, at least for me, and there's a reason why I asked you about how it felt, was inside I felt like who I actually was mm-hmm. was never visible. Interesting. Yeah, it was difficult, and yeah. so. Um, for you, you had really wanting to do fashion mm-hmm. and, and having concerns about how that was seen. I never had that. I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to do right. all these other things that would, would look good and be, yeah. be strong and be cool, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, yeah. So it sounds like, um, that was something that you wrestled with a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So I did the fashion by my style, by coming to school okay. and being dressed up and looking really nice, looking nicer than anyone else. Okay. So that's how I kind of did that. I would look at that shop and like, man, I know how to sew. I mean, I know how to do all home economics. I know mm-hmm. how to do all that stuff. My dad taught me all that. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, my dad always said, <clears throat> I'm going to teach you all this. That so when you get older, you can survive on your own. Yeah. So he taught me how to cook, taught me how to iron, mm-hmm. clean, you name it. In oh, fact, man. he used to do this thing. It's just every Saturday um, when we were kids, everyone would get a potluck Saturday. So you had to go in the refrigerator and make a meal for the household oh, by wow. what's in the refrigerator. Wow. Every Saturday? Every Saturday, someone got a chance. It was four of us. Okay. So every, every Saturday, even my mom and dad, so it was like six. It was a rotation. It okay. Was like, so about once actually, a month. Actually, my mom would get the time off because she would cook Monday through um, Sunday, Sunday through Friday. Okay. But so about once a month, you had to come month. up with something. Mm-hmm. And, and come up with something. Isn't it amazing how it much It better those, be good. It better be good. Yeah, because you're going to hear about it if it isn't. <laughs> sure. Well, because right. everyone's around the table and either it's like <laughs> yummy or like, this is totally terrible. Right. Well, and the, sk- and the skill set that provides mm-hmm. you know, the confidence, you know, I was just talking about this with my family yesterday because I mentioned on the show last week, my dad taught me with the help of my mom. She corrected me this past weekend. It was oh, yeah. with my mom's help. <laughs> yeah. um, they wanted me to know 20 things that I could cook off the top of my head by the time I went to college. Yeah, absolutely. And that turned out to be a huge thing for me. But I also, I also remember that my mom taught me how to do, do all the basics mm-hmm. of how to take care of myself, laundry, making yep. the bed. Yeah. Right. Knowing how to, to empty a vacuum clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all these things that that I think I took for real, for granted for a really long time. But the skills that teaches the yeah. self-sufficiency, Absolutely. the ability to advocate, the creativity of mm-hmm. pulling together yeah. all the stuff that's in the fridge and making something out of it. I still Absolutely. do that. Yeah. And my dad would say this same thing. He was like, you cannot taste your food. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? He goes, you need to learn how to smell it mm-hmm. and see it and know that it's going to take good, taste good by how you're doing it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. He's like, it can't be too salty. I mean, but that's how he was taught. He was taught mm-hmm. um, when he was younger by, he had a very interesting life and that's another conversation, mm-hmm. but he actually at his home had a, a chef, had a cook there Okay, and he was taught um, how to cook. And then when I, as I got older, I'm like, ah, how am I ever gonna use this? And then when I was on my own um, <laughs> and I was quite poor, I had to learn how to, make meals with things like hamburger mm-hmm. and pasta and, you know, tomato sauce and just really small, but fresh herbs, mm-hmm. you know, or herbs that were dried, but really figuring out how to make the food taste good yeah. with really nothing. And not, and not overpower it. And not overpower it. Yeah. You know, my, my so. mom always told me, she said, as soon as it gets too salty, yep. you know, it better be a soup because then, be a soup. then you can, then <laughs> yeah. you can water, then you it, can down. water it down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But other, but other than that, no. You know, it didn't work. Yeah, because. and I, I look back with a lot of appreciation on that. It sounds like it sounds like your dad 
was uh, you know talking about Father's Day yeah. just yesterday. Your your dad was seems to be was really involved in at least showing you those yeah. things until we were a certain age, and then him and my mom got divorced. Then he was ah, gone. Gotcha. From Sixteen to fifty or something. Like okay. That, so 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 you really had a run there in your teenage years, pulling all this together, where you where you were really kind of on your own. Yeah. Forging your own way with yeah. an electrician. Yeah. And then. Yeah. Where was the pivot point, Bruce, where you said, "Forget what the stigma is." I'm going into fashion. So it's a funny story. When I was, hmm, I'm going to say 18, about okay. 18, I was actually working in an electrical company, wire drawing company, and I was doing quite well. Single guy, you know, doing quite well. was actually living at home at the time and met this girl and um, started, I used to work four days on, four days off. Okay. So, I mean, you're an 18-year-old kid, four days off. What are you going to do? You're going to go party and go to clubs and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So I had money, so I would go to this store and buy all these great clothes. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day I was heading into the store, and this guy Calvin, he said to me, he goes, he goes, he goes, hey man, he goes, I said, hey Calvin, I just need to get a pocket square with for the suit, and I'm heading out. He was like, man, he goes, I'm packed today. He goes, my person got sick. He goes, you can do me a favor, can you just go help that guy? And I said, I don't work here. He goes, I know, man, but you look so good. Just go. Oh, so a store employee is saying, can so you the, go help dress So the this manager, guy? yeah, said, hey, can you go help this guy? I'm like, dude, I don't work here. He was like, just go help him. Just just, just ask him how he's doing Just because I'm just running. And yeah, this store was packed full of people. And so the guy's like, I'm like, hey, I'm like, what are you looking for? And he's like, oh, I need a couple. I need a suit. And I'm like, all right. And he's like, hey, I like your suit. And I'm like, oh, it's actually right over here. And I'm like, so I fit him up, put him size. And next thing you know, I sold this guy six suits, um, <laughs> five shirts. <laughs> 12 ties, pocket squares, socks, everything. Calvin was looking at me and he was like, he goes, dude, he goes, I gotta give you commission or something on it. And I'm like, just give me this pocket square, I'm good. He was like, all right. So then I came back a couple weeks later and he was like, hey, you ever thought about working in like, you know, clothing, apparel? And I'm like, I've always thought about it, but dude, you guys could not pay me enough money. <laughs> oh. And he was like, he goes, well, why don't you just do it for like the discount? I'm like, what discount? He goes, you shop here all the time. You get a 50% discount. I'm like, that I'll do it for. Wow. He goes, and you'll pay me? I said, and I get a discount? Yeah. Okay. So I started doing it just part-time just because I had four days off. Okay. So the two, four of the, two of the four days off, I would probably work there just a little bit part-time and do that thing. And next thing you know, I just really, really liked it. Okay. So I did that two days a week and- you know, it was all good. How long did that go until you s- said, I'm not going to, how, d- when did the drift begin where suddenly you were doing two or one days of electrician work? No, no, I was no. still doing electrician thing. And then I met this girl, she worked there. She, Calvin got promoted. She came in, I started liking her. Mm. So I started working a little bit more. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tends to happen, right? Um, then we got together and had a relationship and then she's from Seattle. So we, um, three years later, we moved to Seattle. Okay. And uh, that was my first time getting on an airplane. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. How was that? Um, scary, because I'd never been on an airplane. <laughs> and when she told me she lived in Washington, I'm like, oh, D.C. She's like, no, no, state. And I was like, <laughs> where? Where's <laughs> that? So every picture that she showed me, you know, back then it was like the Polaroid. Every picture, mm-hmm. it was gray. And I was like, where do you live? <laughs> Where's the sun? <laughs> The sun, People man. still ask that. <laughs> yeah. People still ask that. But I got the okie doke. I flew out here with her in July. Okay. Mid-July. And we were out here for three weeks. Well, that's the right time to be here. 
That's the right time to be in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, That's the man. Chamber of Commerce month. It was so beautiful and green. But it was interesting. The first thing that when I called my mom um, when I got out here um, just to visit, I was out here for three weeks. She said, how is it? I'm like, it's really cool. I said, but mom, there are no black people here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I haven't seen a black person. I've been here two weeks. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen one. She goes, honey, that's not possible. I'm like, I'm telling you. It's possible. Yeah. I have not seen one. She goes, even in the airport? I said, I didn't see one. She goes, where have you been? I'm like, I've been to a mall. Um, I've been to, you know, stores. She goes, well, where do they live? And I'm like, a place called Edmonds. And she was like, wow. Yeah. And then I, then Not like Edmonds. literally, <laughs> yeah. I see this black guy, like right after I had this conversation with the next day. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I see him coming out of a barber shop. But it wasn't like your regular barbershop. It was kind of this little hole mm-hmm. in the wall, kind of up in Linwood. And I was like, I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, oh, I'm like, yo, bro. I said, where's all the black people? <laughs> and he say? goes, he looks at me, he starts laughing. He goes, oh, yeah, man, they're in Tacoma. <laughs> he goes, you want to find a lot of black people to go down south. I'm like, where's Tacoma? He goes, where are you from? I'm like, oh, Philly. He's like, oh, yeah, this is probably new for you. <laughs> Very new. <laughs> he was a military guy. Okay. He was stationed up in Everett or something. Gotcha. And uh, so gotcha. he was giving me the scoop. Okay. It was well, kind of interesting. Well, that's all right. So this is this is a perfect course that we're on. So we've gotten you to the Pacific Northwest. Yep. So when we come back from our second break, <clears throat> let's talk about how you built your business, and why you do what you do. And then let's talk about that inclusivity question that you all brought right. up, yeah. what that means to you and what we can draw from that. We'll be right back on this show is all about you with Bruce Flommer. Kids never have trouble dreaming about their future. The challenge is providing them the resources and opportunities to reach them. This is especially true from historically underserved communities. Fortunately, there's an organization that can help those dreams become reality. Airway Science for Kids helps underserved youth develop life and career pathways through exploration of aviation and aerospace. Using in-person and virtual programs, along with partnerships with companies, educational institutions, community health providers, and other resources, Airway Science for Kids helps students not only find their dream careers, but also learn how to better advocate for themselves and connect more effectively with their families, peers, and communities. To find out more, visit airsci.org. That's A-I-R-S-C-I.org. Or email info at airsci.org. Airway Science for Kids. Providing aerospace for all. Don't ask me to talk. Don't ask me to talk is a program about sharing something good. Hosted by me, Stacy Heller, with my co-host and my mom's favorite, Eric Ryder. Don't ask me to talk echoes what we're talking about when we aren't being so serious. We'll highlight what's good to watch, read, see, listen to, and more with a reoccurring spot with Vance Dingfelder of Dingfelder's Delicatessen called What Are We Eating? Tune in Thursdays from 3 to 4 on AM 880 KIXI. Welcome back, everyone, to This Show is All About You, here with my guest, Bruce Flommer of Michael Bruce Image Consulting, also a good friend of mine. And uh, we've been talking about his experience growing up um, in first in Philadelphia and moving out to Seattle and moving from his life as an electrician uh, to becoming a... I don't even know how to describe you when it comes to what you do. I know you have an official title, but world you're class kind of a stylist. World class stylist. That's where we go. Well, it's 
you're kind of a wizard with this stuff, actually, you know? And I'll take it. Yeah, there you go. So, all right. So when we, before the break, we were talking about how you ended up in Seattle and you were remarking how um, much like maybe your own life experience, at least in your school and elsewhere, you, there were not a whole lot of people of color around. Um, and so you've moved into an industry that, is that similar in the fashion industry? Is there more representation or was there when you started uh, doing this full time? What was, what was diversity like uh, ethnically and racially in the fashion industry when you were coming up in it? I, st- I still think it's still very little. I okay. think the fashion industry has tried to integrate, but I think it's still pretty segregated. Okay. okay. I won't say segregated. Like that's a big word. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's tough. I would say compartmentalized. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In terms of uh, just how it pitches to different people of different groups or? Well, for instance, um, what was it a couple of years ago now when this whole thing kind of came out with Black Lives Matter yeah, and, you know, inclusive in a few years ago? That was probably when Target all of a sudden says, oh, hey, we're going to start bringing in black owned businesses. It's like, why now? Okay. You mean, you mean to tell me there wasn't black owned businesses and designers that mm-hmm. were doing a good job? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing it now? Which is fine that they did it. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's just that whole conversation of what's inclusive. Okay. It's like, so if you're going to be inclusive, go and do scour and do the research to make sure you find the best of the best mm-hmm. that represents your demographic. Okay. Okay, and so there were a lot of businesses that long before 2020 in the aftermath yeah. of George Floyd could have been found, researched Absolutely. by different apparel companies, both high-end and then mid-level and, I guess, you know, Absolutely. basic level. Absolutely. Okay. okay. You know, um, Stacy has this really cool bag that she has, and it's, by, it's a black-owned business. Um, but it's like, I mean, that's cool that she has it, but where's been the the push, if you will, or the, the pull to go and mm-hmm. find them. So uh, you've had kind of a mixed reaction to it. On one hand, it sounds like good, glad mm-hmm. it's happening. Right. Why did it take so long? Why did it take so long? Yeah. So have we, have they not been around? No, mm-hmm. they have. What, what's the follow through been like over the last couple of years? Are, are companies still doing that? Um, there's, there can be some cynicism about companies making big statements after big events like George Floyd's murder yes, right. and then ratcheting back quietly when people are no longer paying attention. Is the fashion industry still pushing forward with bringing in more black owned businesses, for example, or fashion or being more quote unquote inclusive? What does that mean? I don't think it's inclusive when you say it's a black owned business. Okay. So like, for instance, I, for me as a, a man of color that owns a, a business, someone said to me, I said, you should go and do the uh, minority business association. I'm like, Why? I'm like, so if a company does research and says, oh, for our numbers, we got to bring in a business like his for style con- and image consulting, mm-hmm. and it's a black-owned business, so they're going to use it. But I want people to use me because I'm the best, and we- okay. what we do is we're the best. Okay. I mean, I hate to say that. It sounds really arrogant, but I, I mean, I think we've styled over 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and I'll say without naming any names, you have a very distinguished, esteemed, and global clientele yes from names and companies that people would recognize yes automatically automatically right automatically right so but i don't want people to per- to use our services because like oh i feel really good because i'm going to use a black owned business mm. i want people to go i've done research i've looked at your company against others i've made a decision that you're you are exactly what we need mm-hmm. what i need that's what i would prefer now i don't mind the leg up you know, I think that's actually a, a good thing, mm-hmm. but not be, not just because. That okay. doesn't make me feel good. Right, 
Right. Okay. So was there was there ever a point? I mean, you you've now established Michael Bruce Image Consulting mm-hmm. as a a major player in this world. Was there a point when you were starting out, when you're starting that business, that you would have been more amenable to something like that, to you know, getting that leg up? I would tell you a funny story about that. When I first started my company, my picture was not on the website. Okay. And it wasn't until a very brilliant person said to me, asked me a question, why? And I said, I don't want people to not hire me because I'm black. Mm. I want people to hire me because of all these other things. And she said, um, well, I have a question for you. <laughs> if somebody saw your picture on your website and had a problem with you being black, would you want them to hire you anyway? Oh, that's a great question. And I said, it's a new business. I kind of want everyone. She said, do you? Mm. And I said, she goes, a business and having your own business is working with the people that you like and that you want to work with. Mm. And I said, she goes, you have that choice. And I was like, wow. Okay. Wow. So then your picture went up on the website. Then my picture went up on the website. Okay. And that's, I'm like, okay. That she made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. She made a lot of sense. And has that played out for you in the years since then? No one's ever mentioned it. Uh Like I've never, like it's (laughs) like if someone has, like, you know, I had interesting phone calls during uh, Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd thing and all the unrest. I had several clients call me and go, Hey, I just want to make sure you're okay and just let you know that I didn't hire you because of that. And, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and I said to him, I, all of them, I said the same thing. I asked him the same question. I said, I appreciate you calling me. I said, but I have a question for you. When you first met me, what did you see? Mm. What'd they say? Um, and a couple of them, I'm like, did you see a tall, well-dressed, handsome, you know, man walking through the door or did you see a tall, well-dressed, handsome black man walking through the door? Mm. And I was surprised all my clients. They had said, we didn't even, I didn't, I don't, I didn't see that you were, they, they did acknowledge I was tall, well-dressed and handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what matters. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what matters to me. <laughs> um, so did they acknowledge that they they noticed clearly that you were black? Yeah, but it didn't bother them. It wasn't like like oh, you know, they'd already gone to my website, seen it. It wasn't anything mm-hmm. that gave them pause. Right. Um, and I've been in a lot of situations where I've been the only man of color. Sure. You know, like I mean, I live in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, I've at through the years I've become more comfortable with it, and then sometimes I'm not comfortable with it. Sure. Sure. So yeah. it's it's kind of push and pull. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like even having conversations like this, part of it's like I'm not comfortable. I bet with it. Yeah, so. I can tell a little bit. Yeah, I can tell. But but that makes sense to me. Yeah, because it would it would make sense that this would be an ongoing set of evaluating what that means for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and it I think it's probably true for anybody around just about anything, but particularly around your own identity. Right. So this is you, you, you just said that interesting because this is what I have tried to connect with my clients is this thing about style is uncomfortable for most clients. Yes. That we meet with. The not understanding, the not being able to figure out is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I take my, my own experience about my own uncomfortability and I connect to them mm-hmm. that way. Understand that it's just uncomfortable. Yeah. So how do we have this conversation that so it's a place where people can talk about it and feel okay. Well, yeah, and, and discomfort, there's opportunities in discomfort, particularly for 
connecting and being open mm-hmm. and being honest mm-hmm. and and experiencing somebody on the other end, whether it's about something in your personal life or right. in this case about about style. Yeah. Somebody on the other end receiving that and holding it okay. Yeah. It, yeah. it can make us more courageous and I think also help us recognize that discomfort isn't necessarily an enemy. Right. Because right. I don't get the impression, even though you've expressed some discomfort, you're still not reluctant to talk about it. No. You're still no. working through it. No. Right? I think sometimes the pressure for us to be decided on what we are, or mm-hmm. how we are, or what that means for us right. can seem like the right thing to do when mm-hmm. I think it's a lot more honest to say, well, of course you would go back and forth on what, however you're defining yourself, right. which isn't just as a black man. Right, right. How all that, mix, how all that fits together. I had a client um, a number of years ago that um, his style sensibility, we decided that he needed to be more just casually but purposely casual. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we do with everyone. But for his particular style, and I never forget, we got him this shoe, um, this sneak, it was like a shoe sneaker, and it was by Timberland. And he, he's like, oh, I love these, they're comfortable. And I'm like, it's a great little new buck suede, it's perfect for you, um, your style sensibility. He's a white guy, he goes to work, and someone looks at him and says, dude, what are you trying to be black wearing Tim's? He called me up and he was like, what did you put me in? I said, I just put you in a pair of, you know, casual sneakers, mm-hmm. high top. He's like, well, this is the comment I got from work. I said, well, you tell that person that they don't know what they're talking about. I said, Timberland is actually not a black brand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, it's a white outdoors brand is what it was. Now, there was a time where a lot of urban and street guys were wearing Timberlands. Right. You know what I mean? And that was where that association And that's where that associate. I said, so you tell that person that the association that what they're associating is not the same. Gotcha. So, and he was like, and I said, and I'm actually a little offended that you had, that you're having this, that you're asking me about that, that you're saying that he, I would He should you. say that to that guy. No, I'm, I was offended. Oh, you I told were. him, I said, he goes, well, I don't want to offend you. I said, I actually am offended mm. that you think that I don't know your style sensibility. I'm trying to put you in something. Oh, I'm trying gotcha. to make you as a white kid, mm-hmm. white guy. I'm trying to make you more urban. I'm not. I'm just putting you in the right thing that works for your style. Mm. I said, brands have no relevance to me Mm -hmm. at all. Right. It's style and how it fits with. It's style and how it fits with you. Right. And he was like, that makes a lot of sense. I said, so that's what you should know about me. Did that work out for him? Worked out great. He's been a client for six years. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Bruce, how can people, if they want to connect with you and maybe get a, a consult, which you can do j- from just about anywhere, Absolutely. How, do they get, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, MichaelBruceHibbitsConsulting.com. Okay. They can go fill out one of our PSAs, which is our personal style assessment. It's only simple 10 questions, and uh, we'll connect with people, and we'll do a Zoom call or a, a phone call, 30-minute um, consultation, answer some questions, and get to know a little bit better. Right. And then it moves into a whole thing. If they want. So what we do is we don't talk about pricing Mm -hmm. and packages. Everything is done customized. Mm -hmm. So we actually send all clients uh, via email a customized package, potential clients a customized package, where they can make their decision on their own. Talk to whoever they need to, ruminate on it, you know, consider what the investment's going to be, and we just go from there. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you also have a podcast that people can listen to. We do. Wisdom from the Wardrobe. Which is available wherever you get your podcast. Wherever you get your podcast. Awesome. It's myself and my team. It's uh, edu. What do we call it? Edutainment. Edu- edutainment. Edutainment. Yeah. yeah. Edutainment. I've listened so. to it. I'm a regular listener. Uh, and certainly it is all that. And how many years now have you been in business? I meant to ask. Oh, my gosh. I have been, well, before Michael Bruce Simmons Consulting, I had another brand. Okay. In, in 2005. 
So I've been doing this for a long time. Long time. All yeah. right. So, uh, well, Bruce, uh, I, sadly, we are out of time. There you go. Um, so there's never enough time. There's never enough time. So we'll bring you back on to talk a little bit more, and and I'll be posting some. Um, some pictures and some follow-ups on wordsbyjdk.com with links to Michael Bruce Image Consulting and to uh, Wisdom from the Wardrobe, uh, as well as, you know, I'll take, I'll make sure we take a good picture so you and I. Let's do it, bro. So, and people can see how you dressed me. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. I, I love the floral today, by the way. Oh, thank it's you. super fresh. Thank you. I remember you buying this for me and I remember going, I can't pull off floral. I know. And yeah. then I put it on and I went, wait, yes, I can. Yes, you can. <laughs> And a hoodie. <laughs> and a hoodie. That's right. Which was a big step. You're the man. All right. All right. Thanks, man. I really JD, appreciate it. JD, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, you're welcome. And uh, it was it was great. And we'll, we'll bring you back. All right. It is. All right. Sounds good. All yeah. right. So, and thanks to all of you uh, for listening to this episode of This Show is All About You. As I mentioned, uh, go to wordsbyjdk.com later this week for a post-episode follow-up. You can also contact me there with any questions that you have about uh, previous guests, the show, or anything else. If you missed any of this episode, you can download as a podcast from wherever you get your podcasts. So to wrap up the show, I like to do a list of thank yous because it's not just about me. Uh, this show is all about you is produced and distributed by Hubbard Radio Seattle. Eric Ryder is the in-studio producer, editor, and mix master. The show is made possible by the generous sponsorship of Airway Science for Kids. Make sure you check them out at airside.org. They do amazing stuff. The original theme music for this show is by Dave Nelson of Lens Group Media. Special thanks for contributing to this episode and all that went well for me this week goes to Bruce Flommer, <laughs> Julia Cannell, uh, Tawny and Dave Santabria, Mark and Yolanda Frazier, Bruce Bullard, Phil McCoy, Erica Moore, Stacey Heller, Katie Beck, and Eric Crema. Special thanks to Wendy's for creating the Strawberry Frosty, to the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series for being awesome, to the old lady at Costco who gave me free samples of the best hydration mix I've ever had in my life, whoever it was in Korea who invented barbecue Colby short ribs, and to Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, every black abolitionist, and all the others who ultimately led the effort that abolished slavery from this country once and for all and continue to fight today for a more equitable society. Finally, as a way to send you off into the rest of your week, we'll end with this original haiku. True freedom results from acting on principles that apply to all. Thanks, everyone, and chins up!